people of God, please turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 20. Matthew chapter 20 is one chapter before the triumphal entry of Jesus. It's in chapter 20 that Jesus is on his way up to Jerusalem for the events of Holy Week. And this morning we're going to look together at Jesus' parable about the workers in the vineyard. A familiar parable, one that's found in the first 16 verses of Matthew chapter 30. Or it's chapter 20, I'm sorry. Uh, but before we read God's word, please join me in prayer. Lord, as we come to your word this morning, we pray that your spirit would open our hearts and our minds, that your word would be applied to our lives, and that through it, we might be drawn ever closer to Jesus Christ, our faithful Savior. Lord, we pray that this morning that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts would be pleasing to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Matthew 20, starting at verse 1. Hear now the word of our God. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire men to work in his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. About the third hour, he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, you also go and work in my vineyard, and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. He went out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour and did the same thing. About the eleventh hour, he went out and found still others standing around. He asked them, why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? Because no one has hired us, they answered. He said to them, you also go and work in my vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. The workers who were hired about the eleventh hour came, and each received a denarius. So when those came who were hired first, they expected to receive more, but each one of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These men who were hired last worked only one hour, they said, and you have made them equal to us, who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, Friend, I am not being unfair to you. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the man who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. Thus far the reading of God's holy, inspired, and inerrant word. May he bless it to us this morning. That's not fair. I'm sure I'm not the only one who's had that thought in my mind, in my heart. That's not fair. Whoever you are, whether man or woman, whether rich or poor, whoever you are, that thought has probably crossed your mind at some point. That's not fair. Right? These, these words can spring up in all kinds of situations when it looks like somebody is getting a better deal than you are. 
Your neighbor drives a really nice car while yours is really old and beaten down. Your neighbor has a nicer house. Your, your coworker gets better hours than you, gets a better paycheck than you, gets the promotion. Whatever it might be, we, always, we can always and often think that's not fair. But it doesn't just happen out in the world. No, it also can happen here in the church, doesn't it? When it looks like God is blessing someone else more than you. When the person down the pew doesn't have to deal with the issues that you have in your life. When you look at other churches and, and you see that they have more people, more support, that they're doing great. When, when we see these things, we can often shout out, that's not fair. Well, in our parable today, in this parable in Matthew chapter 20, Jesus tells the story of some workers who thought that things were not fair. These workers thought that somebody else was getting a better deal than they were. This isn't a unique feeling. And in our passage today, Jesus shows us how to deal with these feelings. We might be tempted to shout out in our hearts or even maybe with our mouths that it's not fair but Jesus shows us in this parable that when it doesn't seem fair, we can trust in our generous God. And before we look at this parable itself, we should really check out the context of this parable. What's been happening around it? What happened right before Jesus tells it? Because Jesus didn't just wander around the Judean countryside saying something really special every now and again. No, he was interacting with people. He was seeing how they lived, how they thought, and then he was teaching them. He rebukes the Pharisees. He instructs the woman at the well. Well, in our passage, too, Jesus is teaching. And he's teaching the disciples. If we go back one chapter to Matthew chapter 19, we see the rich young ruler. We remember him, right? He, he comes up to Jesus. He, he asks, what must I do to inherit eternal life? I, I've kept all the commandments. What more do I need? Right? And, and Jesus gets at his heart, doesn't he? he? He tells this rich young ruler that he needs to sell everything he owns, give it to the poor. And the rich young ruler goes away sad. Well, immediately after that episode, we see Peter. And Peter looks around at the rest of the disciples. And he says, hey, hey Jesus, we, we, your disciples, we have left everything. We have followed you. What then will we have? And Jesus, just as he saw what was going on in the rich young ruler's heart, he sees what's going on in Peter's heart. He sees what's going on in the disciples' heart. And he teaches them. He tells them this parable that's in our passage. And he starts it by saying this, verse 1, For the kingdom of heaven is like. He's describing the, the kingdom of God. right? Not, not the kingdoms of this world, not our normal experience of life, but how things go in God's kingdom. This new kingdom that has already intruded into history with the birth of Christ and that will come to fruition when he returns again. The kingdom of God, it doesn't do things like the world. It does things differently. And here's what it's like. He says it's like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire men to work in his vineyard. Now this Example that Jesus uses for this parable. It was a common experience, a, a common practice in Jesus' day for owners of vineyards and fields to go into the marketplace in the city and look for people to work for them. 
There'd be a, a bunch of guys just standing around waiting for work. And people would go up to them, hire them, and they'd go and work for the day. And that's what's happening here. The owner of this vineyard, he goes out, he, he finds some workers, and they come to an agreement. Verse 2, it says, He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. A denarius a day. We've got a common practice here, something that normally happened, and then a normal payment. A denarius a day. A denarius was the normal wage for a day's work. It's all pretty commonplace. But as the day goes on, as Jesus proceeds in this parable, what happens becomes less and less common. Right? The common practice would be to hire people early on in the day, 6 a.m. or so, so that you would get that full day's worth of work out of them. Right? 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. And that's what's happening with these first workers that agreed on the denarius. They start working. The owner goes, he meets them, they agree to a denarius a day, and they start working right away early in the morning, getting that full day's worth of work in. But then the owner decides that he wants more workers. Right? Maybe, maybe it's a big harvest, and he needs a lot of workers to get all the grapes. Maybe, maybe there's a time crunch, like a storm is moving in, or the grapes are about to go bad. Whatever the case, the owner decides that he needs more workers. And so, verse 3, about the third hour, he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He goes out again at the third hour, 9 a.m. A couple of hours are gone in the day, and, and he finds more people standing around. And so he hires them too. Right? He, he tells them, as they talk about him, them coming to work, he tells them that he would do right by them. It's not a full day, so they're not expecting that full denarius. They're not expecting that full day's wage, but hey, at least it's something. And he'll do right by them. And then we come to verse 5, and he went out again. In the sixth hour, in the ninth hour, and he does the same thing. Noon, the day's half gone, 3 p.m., the, the day is winding down, but he wants more workers, so he goes out to the marketplace, he, he finds some, he hires them, brings them back to his vineyard, and they start working too. And then verse 6, he, he goes out in the 11th hour. There's one hour of the day left, and this owner goes out again to the marketplace, looking for a few more workers, and he finds some. Right? Nobody's hired them, the day is almost over, and so our owner tells them to go into his vineyard too. And if you'll notice, there's no arrangement made with these workers, like with the first two groups. Right? They don't agree to a denarius a day, he doesn't say, I'll do right by you. There's nothing said. These guys are they're just thankful that they found any kind of work. Right? Even if it's only for an hour, because a little bit of work, a little bit of money is a lot better than nothing especially if there's hungry kids at home, if there's rent to be paid. Right? They're thankful to be hired, so they go into the vineyard too. And then at the end of the hour, after one more hour, it's the end of the day. Time to get paid. And in keeping with Jesus' theme for this parable, the first shall be last and the last shall be first, the guys who were hired last, they get paid first. They've only put in one hour for the day, and so when they step up and receive their wages, much to their surprise, and, and much to everyone's surprise, right, they get paid that full denarius. And as that's happening, as, as these latecomers are getting paid that full denarius, just imagine what's going through the heads of those who were hired first. Right? They're standing over here, they're watching what's going on, and they're 
they're working things through in their mind, right? All right, these guys were here one hour. They've got paid one denarius. We've been here 12 hours. They can do the math. Right? Their, their mouths start smiling. Their hands start rubbing together. Their, their expectations start rising. This is going to be great. And then Jesus comes to verse 10. And in verse 10 he says, Now when those who were hired first came, they expected to receive more, but each of them also received one denarius. They had these high expectations, and they're dashed. And nothing really stings quite so much as when you have high expectations for something and it's dashed, right? You've got high hopes, you're really looking forward to something, and it doesn't happen. It doesn't work out. That hurts. A silly example of this, this this past summer, I was going grocery shopping, and on my way there, I, I saw a donut shop. And I really like donuts, so as I was going through my shopping, I thought, hmm, maybe I should stop by there on the way home and and pick up some donuts. And so as I thought about it more and I made the plan in my head, I was getting excited for these donuts. My, My mouth started watering. My stomach started growling. I was getting excited for these donuts. And so after I'm done at the grocery store, I drive back to the donut shop. I, I get out of my car. I kind of walk over happily excited and I go to the door and the door's locked. I look at the sign and they closed two hours ago. Ugh! Bummer. I had these high expectations, and they were crashed. And that's what's happened to these guys who were hired first, right? They had these high expectations. They were really looking forward to to this huge payment, because when they saw these guys who were hired first, their expectations went through the roof. But just as quickly, those expectations, they were dashed. Because they received exactly the same thing, just one denarius. But even more than that, more than just having their expectations dashed, it really made them say, that's not fair. That's really what they say, isn't it? Verse 11, it says this, When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These men who were hired first, these men who were hired last, worked only one hour, they said. And you have made them equal with us, who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. What are they saying there? But it's not fair. Right? It's not fair that they get paid the same thing that we do. We worked 12 hours. They only worked one. We worked in the hot sun all day long. They only showed up for an hour in the cool evening. They shouldn't get the same thing we do. It's not fair. as we hear this parable, as we go through this parable with Jesus, we can really relate to these guys, can't we? I mean, I think we've almost gotten instinctive support for their side. It doesn't seem fair that the late workers would get the same amount as those who were hired first and worked all day long in the hot sun. Right? It doesn't seem fair. I mean, kids, imagine this example. Imagine your mom and your dad, they come to you and your siblings, and they say, we are going to take you out for ice cream. But before you go for this ice cream, you need to do some chores for us. And because you like ice cream, you're like, okay, let's do this. And so you agree to it. But then they start handing out the list of chores. And your brother has to take out the dog. 
and your sister has to clean up her room, and you have to clean out the refrigerator, and dust everywhere, and mop the floors, and do this, and do this, and this, and this, and the list goes on and on and on. That, that doesn't seem any, much fair anymore, does it? Right? It doesn't seem fair that you and your siblings would get the same amount of ice cream if you had to do a lot more work. It doesn't seem fair, and that's what this parable is showing us. Right? We can relate to these first workers, how they were feeling that it wasn't fair. Now this definitely would have made sense to Peter and the rest of the disciples. Because they had followed Jesus from the very beginning of his earthly ministry. Right? They had left behind their jobs, they had left behind their homes, they had left behind everything to follow Jesus. They had been working from 6 a.m. And they want to make sure that they get what's coming to them. They've sacrificed a lot. Absolutely. And they want to make sure that it's been worth their while. It wouldn't seem fair that other followers, later followers, would receive that same amount of blessing. And think about this too. Peter and the disciples, they were Jews, right? They were God's chosen people. They had been following God from the very beginning. 6 a.m., Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They had been working through the heat of the day, through all the struggles and toils, through slavery in Egypt, right? Through fighting over the to take over the promised land, through the Babylonian captivity, through the oppression of the Roman rulers. They had been serving God from the very beginning, and now God is going to let Gentiles into his church? Right at the very end, right? Right at the 11th hour, God is going to open up the kingdom to other nations. Okay, fine, we can handle that. But, but Jesus, come on. Right? We early followers, we, we Jews, we disciples, we're going to get positions of honor, Right? We're going to get more because we have been with you since the start. It makes sense to us. It makes sense to Peter and the disciples. But Jesus says, no. No. No, you're thinking about this all wrong. That's not how the kingdom of God works. And in fact, this way of thinking really shows that you have two heart issues that need to be dealt with. The first heart issue is self-centeredness. Because when it comes down to it, these first laborers are really self-centered, aren't they? Right? They're only looking to see what they can get out of the deal. We put in all this hard work, we were in the scorching heat, and we are only getting a denarius. They're focusing on themselves. And that's what Peter and the rest of the disciples were focusing on too, wasn't it? Right? Peter's question in chapter 19 was very clear about that. What then will we have? They're focused on themselves, what, what they are going to get out of following Jesus. And that self-centeredness, it's going to show up on, uh, later on in chapter 20 as well. When the mother of James and John goes to Jesus and asks for positions of honor, one on his left and one on his right, when the kingdom comes. Right? They're, they're looking at the kingdom of God in earthly ways, what they can get out of it. Brothers and sisters, we can be self-centered when it comes to the kingdom of God, too. Right? We, can, we have been called into the vineyard by God. We've been called into his church. And we labor for the kingdom. We work in all kinds of different ways, right? In giving our tithes and offerings, as we did a little while ago. As we raise our children in the fear and knowledge of the Lord. As, as we tell our friends about Jesus. As we serve our brothers and sisters in Christ. 
It's how we work in the kingdom. And we can do these things in such a way that we're just looking for that payoff at the end. That we're just looking for what we can get out of it. And that could be in this life. Right? I'll get good friendships at this church. I'll, I'll get a good reputation by doing all of this work. Or it could be in the life to come. God is going to reward me big time for all this work that I have done for him. But either way, we, we can do this kind of work. We can do our kingdom work in this kind of self-centered way, just looking out for ourselves. So this is the first heart issue, self-centeredness. The second is jealousy. Looking at other people, seeing the blessings that they have, and being jealous of them. Right? We definitely see that in the parable, don't we? Right? These 6 a.m. guys, they had reached an agreement with the owner, and they got what they were promised. They weren't shortchanged. They weren't tricked. No, the problem was that, they, was that when they saw what these latecomers got, they were jealous. They weren't content with what they had based on what the other guys had. It's not fair. And jealousy was a temptation for Peter and the disciples as well. Right? They were part of Jesus' inner circle. They were part of the twelve. But with, the talk, with all this talk about the kingdom and, and hearing that others are going to be entering in too, jealousy can start to creep in. Right? We have been here since the beginning, Jesus. But other people are coming in, that's fine, but they're going to be rewarded? The same, that same kind of reward as us, that same amount? It's not fair. And really, brothers and sisters, jealousy is a temptation for us as well. Right? Some of us have been a part of this church for many years. We've, we've been here since 6 a.m., while others of us have, have joined more recently, the 6th hour, the, the ninth hour, the 11th hour. And there can be some jealousy going on with that. Right? We've been here since the beginning. This is our church, and, and it's great that you latecomers have come, but you're not getting that full denarius. We can, we can also see jealousy crop up in other ways, when we don't take into account how long we've been here in the church. Right? We, can, we can get jealous just looking at our brothers and sisters and seeing how God has blessed them, and not being happy for them, and, and joyful of our gracious God who has given these blessings, but rather thinking, oh, I wish I had that. Right? She, she's got such a kind heart. She's so open and welcoming to people. I wish I had that. He, is, he, is, he always knows what to do. He, he always knows what to say. People think well of him. I wish I was like that. She's so hospitable. He's such a great leader. Whatever the case it may be, we can get jealous when, when we look around at others. When we see these good gifts that God has given to our brothers and sisters in Christ, we see what they have, we want it, and we're not satisfied with what God has given us. That's not fair. That's what we can think. So this jealousy... This self-centeredness. These are the hard issues this parable uncovers. That the parable uncovers in us, that it uncovers in Peter and the rest of the disciples, that it uncovers in these 6 a.m. guys. These are the hard issues revealed by this parable. But, but Jesus doesn't just leave it there. Right? He doesn't just peel back the layers and say, okay, this is what you guys are struggling with. But no, he, he uses this to teach. He says, okay, I see this. This is what you're struggling with. You're self-centered. You're jealous of each other. But he teaches. 
He says that's not how the kingdom of God works. That's the way the world operates, but the kingdom of God is different. In the kingdom of God, you can trust in our generous God even when it doesn't make sense, even when it doesn't seem fair. And he shows us that in the rest of the parable, in these hard lessons that are taught by the parable. Verse 13, to the end of this section, we see the, par- we see the owner talking to one of these 6 a.m. guys. And this owner, he really diagnoses their heart issues, and then he, he lovingly, gently chastises them. He teaches them some hard things to be sure, but some things that they need to hear. Look with me at what he says. Verse 13, but, but he answered one of them, friend. And right off, right off the bat, right there, do you see how loving that is? Friend. There's no anger, there's no cruelty, no hard feelings. Friend. And, and when someone comes to you like that and, and corrects you like that, you can really trust them, can't you? And they're not bringing the hammer down, they're not really laying it on. There is a time for that, but, but here in this situation, the owner is very careful in how he says it. He says, friend, let me explain something to you. I'm doing you no wrong. There's there's no injustice here. And when he comes like that, with that approach, you can trust him. You you want to listen to what he's going to say. And in the rest of this conversation, there's really three questions that he asks. They're not answered. They're not really meant to be answered at that time. Instead, he asks these questions in order to get these guys to to move from the way that they had been thinking to a different way of thinking. So the first question, in verse 13, didn't you agree to work for a denarius? He points out that this was their original agreement. They agreed to work for one denarius. It's not unjust. They agreed to it. They weren't forced to do it. The owner wasn't twisting their arm and saying, only take one denarius. No, they agreed to it. And the owner was faithful to his promise. Well, God is faithful to his promises as well. God has brought us into his vineyard. He's brought us into his kingdom. And he has promised us eternal life in Christ. And he will give that to us. He will. We don't have to worry about it being taken away. We don't have to worry about being shortchanged. Our God is faithful to his promises. And so we can trust him. But that doesn't mean that we can presume in those areas where God hasn't promised us. Right? God, the, the 6 a.m. guys couldn't presume that the owner was going to give them more money than he had promised them. And we can't presume that our God is going to give us more things than he has promised us. A million dollars. A, a carefree life. The gifts and talents that our brothers and sisters enjoy. Right? We... We can't get disappointed and jealous when we don't receive these things because our God hasn't promised them to us. But we can trust him because he is faithful to his promises. And because of that, because our God is faithful, we can work heartily. As Paul says in Colossians 3, we can work heartily knowing that from the Lord we will receive the inheritance as our reward. We will receive it. We will receive what he has promised us. We can trust our generous God. The next question is in verse 14. 
says, take your pay and go. I want to give the man who was hired last the same as you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? There's really no answer to that question, is there? I mean, of course he's allowed to do what he wants with his money. It's his money. It belongs to him. Right? In that earlier example we had with the ice cream, with the parents giving ice cream to their children, they could do what they wanted with their money. They could choose to give the ice cream out to their kids as they wished. It's their money, and they can do with it what they want. The owner of something gets to do what they want with it. And this really gets at God's sovereignty. Right? God reigns over all things, and so all things belong to God. They don't belong to us. And that's why scripture calls us stewards. 1 Peter 4.10, we have received a gift from God. Right? It's a gift. It belongs to God, not to us. It's a gift. We have received a gift from God, and we are to use it to serve each other as good stewards of God's varied grace. God gives his gifts to us in grace, and he does so as he sees fit. Our God is generous, absolutely, but he's not obligated to give us anything. It's all by grace, and so whatever we receive from him, no matter how it compares with what somebody else gets, whatever someone else is given by God, no matter how it compares with that, whatever we received is a gift from our generous God. And finally, the third question, end of verse 15, or are you envious because I am generous. A hard question and a hard lesson. Right? He says to these 6 a.m. guys, you're getting upset because someone else received my generosity. Right? I was generous to you, now I'm generous to them, and that just makes you mad. It's really the same lesson that God taught Jonah hundreds of years earlier. You all remember the story of Jonah, right? How he, he ran away from God, how he was thrown overboard, and God saved him by sending that great fish to swallow him up. Right? God was generous to Jonah. We love that story, but, but the end of the story we, we tend to ignore. We, we tend to brush off. Right? Because at the end of the book of Jonah, God showed his love and his generosity to the people of Nineveh too. He sent them a warning. He allowed them to repent. He spared them of his wrath. And what was Jonah's response? He was furious. Jonah was furious that God would show his generous grace to the people of Nineveh. It's exactly the same attitude as these 6 a.m. guys had. Upset because generosity was shown to someone else, because grace was given. But here's the thing. They all received grace grace, didn't they? Each of these workers were stuck there in the marketplace until the owner came, and it was only until he came, and it was only because of his generous grace that he allowed them to enter into his vineyard and work. 6 a.m., noon, 5 p.m., it didn't matter when it was. All of them came in only because of grace. And the same is true with us. We have all been brought into the vineyard of God. He came and he sought us out. And he brought us into the kingdom. Some of us early on, some later on. But he's brought us all in. All of us together. He didn't have to. He wasn't obligated to, but he did through Jesus. We have all been brought into the kingdom through Jesus. And we've been given that gift of eternal life. God deals with us according to his mercy, not 
our merit. And that's wonderful news. Right? Because if it was up to us, our merit wouldn't get us anything. But God deals with us on the basis of his mercy, not anything that we do. He deals with us on the basis of grace. And so we get infinitely more than we deserve because our God is generous. There's a Jewish parable from a little while after Jesus told this parable that we have here in Matthew 20. And it it lays out the same exact situation. Right? The, the early workers, they worked all day. The later workers, they worked only a little bit. They all got the same amount, and the early workers grumbled. But the response of the owner, of the, of the king in this Jewish parable, it's completely different. In this Jewish parable, the, the king, the owner, he says that the reason these late workers got paid the exact same amount wasn't because of grace, wasn't because of his generosity, but it was because those later workers did more good work in that one hour than the early workers did in the whole rest of the day. Right? The earlier workers, they did a really lousy job, they took a lot of breaks, and those later workers, they really put their nose to the grindstone and they did great work. They earned that full denarius. That was the point of this Jewish parable. But that's not the point at all of Jesus' parable. Right? These later workers, they didn't earn anything. We don't earn anything. God doesn't deal with us on the basis of merit. Our generous God deals with us on the basis of grace, pouring out his grace upon those whom he chooses. And so we see that the values of the kingdom of God, they're entirely different. It's all grace. That's what we see in this parable. So so as we close, let's think about this. What would our hearts look like? What would our church look like if we took this to heart? If when we see our brothers and sisters enjoying a great gift from the Lord, if we rejoice then in God's generosity rather than being jealous, rather than being envious, if instead of being self-centered and jealous, we rather trusted in the Lord to give his good gifts as he sees fit, knowing that everything is his anyways, And anything anyone receives from him is only due to his grace. What would that look like? Well, I think we'd see a couple of things. First, I think we'd see more joy. I mean, if we're constantly thinking, that's not fair. If that's the only thought that's running through our minds all the time, that's not fair. Then our hearts get really bitter really quickly. The more we have these jealous thoughts, the more we focus on what others have and what we don't have, the more bitter our hearts get. So if we approach things, if if we approach life in this church, if we approach life with each other using this kingdom perspective instead, I think we'll see that bitterness that we might be tempted towards be replaced by joy. Joy in these good gifts that God has given us. I also think we'd see more unity Because jealousy and self-centeredness, they really serve to divide us, right? If I'm jealous of you, if if I'm bitter towards you, if every time I look at you I'm thinking, that's not fair, then I don't really want to hang out with you. I don't want to go through life with you. I don't want to be around you. But that's not how we're called to live in the kingdom of God. We're called to enjoy the fellowship of the saints, the sweet communion of the church. We're called to be united to each other. 
So I think we'd see more unity. And finally, I think we'd see increased service. Because if we're operating with this kingdom principle, we won't be self-centered, pushing everyone away, trying to get all that we can get. No, instead we'll seek to serve our brothers and sisters by using what God has given us. That's what our catechism says. Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 21, when we talk about the communion of the saints, of being a part of the body of Christ, we're thinking about how we use these gifts that God has given us readily and joyfully for the service and enrichment of the other members. We'll seek to serve others just as Christ served us and laid down his life for us. Friends, this is what the kingdom of God is supposed to look like. Joyful, united service. We are all here because of God's generous grace, because it's drawn us into his vineyard. And we work together, serving each other, being generous to each other, because our God has first been generous to us in Christ. May his spirit equip us to do so for his glory. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your generous grace. We know that we did not deserve it at all, but that you brought us into your vineyard so that we might do your kingdom work. And so, Lord, as we labor, may jealousy and self-centeredness have no place in our lives. Rather, give us the humility that we need to simply rejoice in your generosity, to serve our brothers and sisters with joyful fervor, just like Christ first served us. We pray this all in his name. Amen. Our song of response will be number 353.